if you knew that you could live the life that you want to live, impact other people, be impacted by other people, have a beautiful journey on this earth and, and live life fully, powerfully present, grateful, just by loving yourself. That's the magic. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. We've got an awesome show today with a really awesome guy. And what's really going to be fun about this episode is there's so many different ways that we can go and talk about it. And we're just going to see what happens because he is brilliant. His name is Jesse T. He's the founder of 46 and 2 Wealth Partners. And his business ethos is rooted in showing others how to become free and create happy wealth. He's been featured in Yahoo Finance. And he also hosts the Jesse T Show, a mindset-focused podcast that teaches anyone hunting greatness in business, health, and wellness, and in relationships, their secrets to success. Jesse's the proud parent of two sons, a passionate human optimization nerd. That's something we share in common, and he enjoys getting into nature. He's also a psychonaut, and I think I know what that is, but I'm going to ask. Jesse T, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you here. Brother, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the great uh, introduction and lead-in, and I'm just excited to keep continuing our conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, we've been talking a lot offline and, and prior to this about some, some just cool stuff that we love in common, but I'm going to get into really you, Jesse. How did you get into the work that you're doing today? Tell us your superhero origin story. Yeah, man. My superhero origin story is is one that's almost unbelievable and I shouldn't even be alive. And, and not to get into every single detail because people can can hear that or see that elsewhere. But basically, I came from a very big place of scarcity. And actually, today, it was brought to my attention that in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first, the first need is safety. I didn't have any safety growing up, whether that was food safety, that was physical safety from bullying or from abuse from a, a, a narcissistic mom that liked to get heavy with the hand when it came to punishment. You know, a dad that was a, a drug addict for 30 years. Um, you know, there was there was all these, you know, not having a lot of money and and not really having any money, having a starting to work and hustle way before Gary Vee was ever in my purview, right? Doing these things, selling, trading, buying comic books, baseball cards, shoveling snow for money. These things I had to do to survive. And so I had a scarcity mindset. I had a, a lack of safety upbringing um, that really, it really lent to a hope as a kid where I, uh, I didn't have anything else. All I had was hope. All I had was dreams. And, and, and I had to figure things out on my own. And so it lent to a curious explorer, someone who was, became an adventurer at heart, someone who had a thirst for learning, a thirst for knowledge, a thirst for relationships. The relationships I didn't have as a kid, I was, I was seeking elsewhere, whether it was coaches, mentors, friends. Um, and, and this really lent to kind of where we're at today 
where you know you mentioned 46 and 2 wealth partners 46 and 2 wealth partners is a registered investment advisory firm here in Georgia and what it is it's an investment management firm it's a financial planning firm and we operate as a fiduciary and a fiduciary is someone that doesn't take commissions they don't have to sell products or services and they give you the best advice as if they were giving their own advice to themselves and this isn't common out of 400,000 financial planners in the United States only 5% of us are fiduciaries just wild you think that every one of them should be but the laws dictate that they don't have to be and so in this trajectory of going up, growing up scarce, scarcity-minded, growing up without safety, I wanted to put into my life prosperity, wealth, safety. And so through my own journey and my own upbringing, my own learning, my own guinea pigness, and my own you know, fumbling and stumbling and learning, I was able to put those things together for myself. And in the second half of my life, I'm now 40 years old, the second half of my life, I've been able to enjoy beautiful safety and beautiful adventures and beautiful things in my life, but it came from a really tough place in the beginning. What's interesting, I, I I left this out of your bio, but we talked about it offline. I know comic books are a huge part of your life. You had to sell comic books to survive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, I, I know I've, I've had patients tell me this, like they have an averse uh, aversiveness to a smell of a particular food because when mm-hmm. they were growing up poor, that's all they had to eat. And so I, I, I think that's interesting. And in hindsight, I wish I had left that bit in. Because there's something that you know came from a place of scarcity, but it's still a passion for you, and you never lost that. And I think that that's important. No, and I, you know, going back to a place of real scarcity, there's uh, two things that come to mind. Uh, two stories. One was one time my mother didn't. Have, she was a single mom. She wasn't from Boston. Didn't have a lot of connections. She was ex-military. She had her own troubles, her own traumas, and so she did. She did the best she could. At the end of the day. But it still was tumultuous and it was scary. And so one one winter we went, a couple winters, one winter for, for sure we went without heat. And heat in Boston was these oil trucks that would show up to your house, tap in a, a long hose and plug into this cylinder on the side of the house, this, this steel or metal cylinder, and they would flood in you know oil, legit oil. And the oil would heat up the radiators. And we just didn't have the money to do that. And so we had to use the stove in the kitchen. The stove in the kitchen was left on too long or the door got shut. And I remember on a weekend, both of my dogs were barking in the background and I wanted to sleep in at, you know, whatever age I was, 13, 14. And I remember the dogs wouldn't stop barking. And so I hopped up out of bed, pissed, furious, like, shut up. Why are you guys going crazy? And as soon as I hop out of my room and I see the smoke billowing, billowing out of the kitchen, I'm like, our house is on fire. And so I step over the gate where the dogs were in the kitchen and I look at the oven and I can see a fireball or what fire anyway inside of the oven and to my you know chagrin i opened the door a little bit and a flame shot up from the, the oven to the ceiling causing like a burn on the ceiling i immediately call you know the fire department they come in they put it out and that was a a huge illustration of number one i don't want this to happen ever again and number two i remember that winter being so cold that it's weird because like you were saying some people have an aversion to the things that they hated I'm a huge nut when it comes to cold plunging. So I actually love the things that were hard for me. So like I'll go cold plunge, I'll go ice bath, I'll go out in the cold. And so another quick illustration to that was uh you know some of the uh some of the food I guess that we were eating. You know, when we didn't have food, she could always put together bread, butter and cinnamon. We'd have like cinnamon toast. And I, I would crush some cinnamon toast today. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have any aversions and I do I'll tell you this for the listeners and for you I am the most grateful human being, one of the most grateful human beings you'll ever meet. And I am more grateful for the shit and the tough stuff than I am for the good stuff. I believe, and I, and I don't remember where the quote came from, but 
what's coming to mind is, you know, the measure of a person is not how they act when everything is going well, but rather, you know, who they are when it's not. And so that that illustrates that beautifully. So uh, we're a few minutes into this and we've heard a couple uh, really heartfelt but challenging stories and in, in your approach to adversity is, is refreshing because many people, when they go through things like that, are bitter, are hostile, are crippled by it, and you're not. So I know that in addition to the, the work you do, making people wealthy, you know, through your work with your show, uh, you're focused on making people as happy and healthy as they can. So uh, you've interviewed also, I, I checked on, we've had a number of similar guests, but you you interview some some pretty heavy hitters. And so I'd love for you to share with us, you know, somebody is, is picking this up and they're like, yeah, I'm a Jesse T fan, uh, or maybe they, they don't know you, but uh, let's talk about some of your top strategies, some of the things so where a starting point, I think would be a good, good place. So if somebody really wants to kind of, make version 2.0 of themselves, their happiest, health, yeah. healthiest, best self. What are some of the, the, the roadmaps you would give people to start that journey? So this will be a narrative of, of the conversation, but also of my life. So it's, it's love, it's gratitude, and it's presence. And so, and I've been talking about this all day today and recently in the last couple of days. So it's really, it's really fitting in terms of this conversation, but love is one of the most powerful energies and frequencies that we can experience as humans. Um, and, and it's, it's strange speaking for myself specific, specifically, but for the collective of humans, a lot of us were never taught to tell ourselves we love ourselves. I growing up was, was obviously in a, in a much different situation than a lot of people, but I can, I can tell you from all of my experiences, most people that I talked to were never taught to say that, to look in the mirror every morning with a smile, with heartfelt feeling and say, I love you, Jesse. I love you, Dr. Richard. Right. I love you. Right. And it's strange because going back to that safety, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when you say I love you, it really does put safety into the equation. It's like, I'm here for you. I will do the best that I can for you. I'm not going anywhere. My love matters. And if you can love yourself, there's a book called Love Yourself, Your Life Depends on It, written by a CEO from Silicon Valley that lost it all to get it all back. And he has like a five to seven minute meditation every day that he does. And it's all centered around, I love myself. You can't pour from an empty cup. And it goes to that, that illustration of being on a plane, having to put on the oxygen mask first before you can help somebody else. You can't truly love someone else until you love yourself. And so that's the first thing I would say in terms of my story of, 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 you know, that, of healing and, and giving that to other people. The second thing is, is um, gratitude. And that, that ties really nicely with love. And if, if you can be grateful every day about something and have a gratitude practice and feel into that gratitude practice, it'll absolutely change your life. And for me in my life, in different seasons, I've had to stack gratitude because I, I didn't feel grateful for, for many things going on in certain parts of my life. So I started stacking things daily. Like I woke up today. I have breath in my lungs. I'm healthy. I have this thing that I can go do. And it, as little as that may seem, you're training and rewiring your mind to have this, this different way to operate in the world, this frequency of happiness, of, of, of gratitude. And when you, when you, it's cliche, when you have an attitude of gratitude, amazing things come your way. And the way you respond to things, like you just talked about a second ago, versus reacting out of anger or, or, or hurt, you respond to things much differently. And so the world does change before your eyes. You control your world. Control is a funny word, but you, you, you dictate kind of how things happen in your world. And then the last thing is presence. And with presence, being powerfully present 
is the only thing that's on my mind right now, Dr. Richard, is connecting with you, is talking with you, is, is, is building a, uh, a friendship, is, is, is seeing where the journey leads. Who knows what's going to happen? But being here now, not thinking about the three more appointments that I have after this, not thinking about the ones I had before this, but being here now. Ramdas says it so beautifully. So he's a great spiritual leader. Some would call him a guru, but Ramdas was definitely a leader of the psychedelic revolution of someone who brought in a lot of love into the world. And his biggest mantra, one of them was be here now. Because if you think about it, you only have now. You can't go back to yesterday and fix or do something different. You can't predict tomorrow. And again, cliche is the word, but the gift is a present. It is absolutely true because you don't have any other time that you're always living in now. And so for people that I talk about this with people sometimes about anxiety, one of the best ways to get off and get, get rid of anxiety or minimize it outside of other techniques, which we could talk about is being present. You're not worrying about the past or the future. And if you can be present, you can really show up powerfully. So I would say, love yourself like your life depends on it. Powerfully present. And gratitude. Gratitude. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. You know, something interesting, and I'd love to have your take on this, no no pun intended. Part of love is forgiveness, forgiving yourself, forgiving others. Uh, you mentioned a traumatic upbringing. You had abusive parents. Your father did some things that, you know, you didn't have food. You had all these issues. Have you been able to, you know, have that forgiveness from your parents? Have you talked to them about it? Like, you know, what was that like, you know, as an adult looking back and interacting with that? It's a beautiful, a beautiful experience that I can share. Um, and it's funny because, again, this exact conversation came up with Lauren, my love of my life. I was telling you about as soon as we jumped on the podcast, I was, I was on a call with her and we were talking about forgiveness and how that happens to be each one of ours, one of our superpowers. And at one point, that's all I had, right? Like all I had was hope at one point. All I had was forgiveness. Like I, I had to really embody these things because it really didn't have a lot of other things. And so one of the best illustrations I can give you about forgiveness um, for my dad was after he did about 30 years of drugs consistently, really threw away his life, had a great opportunity ahead of him and just kind of pissed it away uh, athletically and intellectually. He cleaned up and he stopped doing drugs and he was doing heroin, heroin, shooting it uh, for a big portion of that time. So some of the hardest of the hard. And at the end of his 30-year drug run, he went clean for about 12 years. And in that process of him going clean, I decided I want to give him an olive branch to say, for all the times I felt hurt, for the times that used to come to my house on the holidays when we didn't have much and ask me for, for money or things like this and break my heart because all I wanted to do was have you in my life and you had to go chase drugs, I want to put all that behind me. And the way that I did that was I reached out to my dad uh, in my previous marriage with my was wife. And before we got married, I said, Dad, and this, you got to remember, this guy's a Boston guy, Italian guy. He's got a little bit of a, a bravado about him. I call him up on the phone. I go, hey, dad, I'd love for you to be the best man at my wedding. 
And he goes, what, you don't have any friends? Kind of joking with me that I didn't have anybody else to ask, but I had a few other people. And it was an olive branch in a way to say, I forgive you. And a way to rebuild that relationship that wasn't there that I always sought after. And one other piece to that relationship was I became my dad for a couple of years. In this trauma, in this uh, lack of parenting for a while, I went off and I not only did drugs, but I sold drugs. And I ended up doing heroin for about a year. So I became my dad. And, and I really had this understanding and this empathy for my dad that I would have never had before because I had a feeling of what he actually went through. And so all that to say, I've been able to absolutely forgive, love, hug, joke around with my dad. And the same thing for my mom. My mom was very abusive mentally, physically, emotionally. She was a narcissist. Um, and so we had a, on when I, what I thought was her deathbed, the first time she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she got other cancers as she went along. She and I just had this cathartic moment where I was like, I forgive you and I love you and I'm sorry. I'm sorry because I wasn't being a son that I could have been, right? And so, yes, forgiveness is an absolute superpower and it is absolutely something that we can give in spades. You know, it's it's something that isn't talked about enough. And if you're listening to this thinking like, yeah, I, I'm intrigued about this, an exercise that I often recommend to people is make a list of you know, three to five, hopefully it's not much larger, right? Uh, but the three people who have hurt you significantly or uh, three people that you've hurt significantly and go through this exercise. And even if they're not alive anymore, you can still do this, right? Like if you don't have access to them, you know, and you can say, you know, Jesse, for all of the things I did wrong to you where I hurt you intentionally or otherwise, I'm sorry. Or, you know, conversely, Jesse, in all the ways you've hurt me intentionally or otherwise, I forgive you. And it is the people who have gone through that exercise have shared with me that it's one of the most freeing, burden lifting things that they've ever done. So I, I'm grateful that we got to talk about this. And, and Dr. Richard, let me yeah. just let me throw in there something that's a, a practical tool with that. So you take the three to five people, like you said, hopefully it's not much more than that, that you can reach out to. There is a, a mantra, a belief system, an actual, and it's a, it's a medicine. It's called Ho'oponopono. And I don't know if you've heard of this before, but there was a, I believe it was a psychologist, some sort of therapist, and he was in Hawaii. And he would take people's, uh, their files and, and, and whatever mental disorder they had, he would say this prayer over each file. And it was, I'm sorry, forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And architecting in the sense of forgiveness for me, anytime I have to make an apology, my apologies have these four tenets. I'm sorry, forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And in saying this, and this is documented, you can look this up. Uh, he essentially, in a certain amount of time of doing this every day, without even knowing them, without even talking to them face-to-face, -face, he just did it to their files. He was setting intention and putting it into the universe. God, source, universe, whatever you believe in, all of it. And after a certain amount of time, every single one of those patients he did this. And this is, this is like, I believe it was either 93 or over 100 people all came out with market improvement or all of their mental issues were gone. And at the very least, if that's a little woo-woo for people, at the very least, if you just say, I'm sorry like that, think about the apology. Hey, Dr. Richard, I pissed you off. I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. Or, hey, Dr. Richard, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And context around that, it's much better. I'm sorry. And yeah, that's awesome. 
It's very powerful. And, and so I want to give a moment too to talk about powerfully present. And I think that was so well said. This is something that I, I often reflect on. And I recently was out to dinner and I looked around and everybody in the restaurant, everybody in the restaurant was on their phone. And so, uh, you know, another thing is we're talking about being presence. And, I, and I'm so glad, Jesse, that you mentioned this. Uh, I tell people to take the cell phone challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And that if you, so do this the next time you're at dinner at a restaurant or even in your own home and put your cell phone in your pocket and see how long you can go before you start becoming un- physically uncomfortable. Like it's <laughs> uncomfortable, like you feel like you need to go, whether you hit, hit up Twitter or Insta or whatever, whatever your poison is. And if you can't go through a meal without being present and without having to, you know, look at a screen or think about something else, that's an indicator that there's a big problem. Yeah. And so many of us have that. And, and so I, I love that you talked about presence because it doesn't get talked about enough. I, I think gratitude has, be- as critical as gratitude is, gratitude has become a buzzword. Yeah. It really has. But the... You know, the two things you kind of sandwich that between love and presence, uh, I think fantastic for, for bringing that up and, and, and letting us have a space to talk about it because I think it's so important. It is so powerful. And if you can live your, your life in 80-20, right? Pareto's law, 80-20. If you could do 80% of your life in love and gratitude and in presence, you live the best life that you can live. Amen to that. So to talk to us, what is a psychonaut? What are we talking about here? Yeah. So psychonaut refers to someone that uses psychedelics in a healing and a personal development, personal growth, uh, learning environments, healing therapeutic environments. Uh, there is an absolute renaissance going on right now in the world with the use of psychedelics for healing modalities. These are tools that have been given to us, I believe, by God. I believe that they are a divine technology based on my own experience with them. I believe they're going to merge religion and science one day. I think it's down the road, but I think it's going to be part of it. And really what it does is it helps to create new pathways in the brain, helps to heal old traumas, helps to call into life beautiful things, relationships, business-wise, whatever it is that you're looking to do. And now you're starting to see you know, some of the the trickle-down effect, guys like Aaron Rodgers, if you've heard about him recently, he's he's gone on an ayahuasca journey, sat with a shaman, took some brews, drank it, and it changed his life. And what's happening is, is, is people are tapping back into our birthright, which is our own healing ability, our own innate intelligence. We've been told far too long by too many people for too many reasons that we are not powerful, that we are not able to do these things on our own. And when you realize that all these things that are found in nature, unabated by man, woman, human, that can heal you with one experience. For instance, there's a company in uh, California called MAPS, M-A-P-S, the Multidisciplinary Association for uh, Psychedelic Studies. It's been around for 30 plus years. It's got government funding. It's doing really well. They're doing therapeutic assisted, uh, you know, with licensed therapists, psilocybin mushroom journeys that people that go in there with any kind of depression, anxiety, trauma after one sitting and after a year of that one sitting, they're documenting now, have been completely healed from their anxiety and their depression. And so these are tools that are given to us. And just to give people a little more context, because I know this is a little bit further down the road for a lot of people, two things. In our bodies, our pineal gland, which people call our third eye or the, the eye that we see spirit with, or our liver, we have endogenous DMT. 
DMT is the spirit molecule or the main ingredient that you'll find in ayahuasca or something like a DMT, uh, the bufo toad. And when you do and ingest these natural forms of these psychedelics, you have these mystical experiences. So similar to when people have died and come back from the dead and they've seen the light, they've had a magical mystical experience, they have all these revelations. What's happening is DMT that's in us, endogenous, is being released from the pineal and the liver to help us pass on to the next realm, heaven, whatever you call it. And these things are found in nature. And there's no coincidence that these things that are already inside of us that we own, that you can release with breath work. You don't need psychedelics to do this type of work. Breathwork can change your life. In seven minutes, you can go do a holotropic breathwork session that'll absolutely change your life forever for the better. And you are essentially going on a mini psychedelic journey. And so that's what a psychonaut is. A psychonaut is someone that uses psychedelics in a healing fashion, not to go get high, not to go see cool stuff. But for me, I had a lot of trauma I had to heal. And talk therapy is great. But for me, it was just a piece of the puzzle. Breathwork came in. Meditation came in. Moving my body came in. Even these things that we have access to naturally, sunlight, grounding, very powerful tools that are being very much resurgenced or resurged these days. I'm only loosely familiar with the data on microdosing of psychedelics. I, I know uh, that it is really becoming, I won't say it's really becoming, it's been studied for a while, but I think now a light is being shown on it. Uh, but I would like to talk a little bit more about the breath work because somebody listening to this is probably not going to run off and find a toad to lick. But and I they, don't they, agree. <laughs> I don't think they should. I do not think they should. Not everybody should. <laughs> yeah, I, I, indeed. But but I I think we could all do breath work. So yep. talk to us about you, the words you use for a holotropic experience. Yep. So take us there, Jesse. I want to know more about that. So a couple things on breath work. You can start slow, and the thing about breath is, as long as you're alive, you own it. It's something you can always do and it's free and it takes a little bit of intention, takes a little bit of time, it takes a lot of presence is what it is. And that's why it's hard for people. Breath work is simple though. It's not as hard as people think. And so I was teaching my eight-year-old son a few weeks ago about how to control his anxiety. And I taught him box breathing. Box breathing is something where if you're in a heightened state, fight or flight or freeze, you can use if you're at the office, you can use if you're driving, you can use if you're in an argument with a spouse, if you have a toddler that's raging because they're just balls of energy and need love, you can do box breathing and it'll help to de-escalate from an eight or nine to like a five or a six where it's more manageable. And so we'll start with box breathing. Box breathing is four seconds in through the nose. You can hold if you choose. If not, let it out. Eight seconds. Four, eight is the box and the, the count is six. It's called box breathing. So you do four in through the nose or one, you know, nose, mouth is one, nose, mouth is two. And you do this eight times. And you will literally see your parasympathetic nervous system change from fight, flight, or freeze. So I can, I can make a rational decision here. I'm not going to flip off the handle and hurt myself or someone else, verbally, whatever. That's the first part of breath work is now being conscious of your breath. Another place to get conscious of your breath for people who've never done breath work before is actually just pay attention to your breathing. Are you in your chest? Are you almost hyperventilating? Are you breathing from your belly? How expanded are your ribs? All these things. It's now you're bringing yourself into presence. Again, this is all tied to presence. So once you have that beginning piece down, well, then now you can go to the other end of the spectrum, which is where you can have a psychedelic journey with your breath. Guys like Wim Hof, if you've heard of Wim Hof before, 
powerful human being, teaches people the power of their own body, teaches people that they can, he's injected himself or under clinical supervision, injected himself with certain uh, viruses and through his own breathing has documented to control his temperature and fight off that virus in real time. Again, wild stuff. Go look it up. It's real. With the box breathing, jumping to holotropic, holotropic will take you in a whole different place. And so holotropic is, let's say 30 breaths in a row where you go breathing through the belly, through the chest, and then out. And I'll demonstrate. It goes. And when you breathe like this, you're hyper-oxygenating the blood. You're also moving things around that you don't normally move around. Also could be DMT in the body. And so after enough rounds of this, and I did this in Sedona a couple of weeks ago when I was with Lauren out in Sedona, I had a morning I woke up in Sedona. Sedona is a very powerful place. There's vortex energy there. That's a whole nother conversation for another time. But I knew I needed to release something. And so I sat down in one of these vortex areas, Boynton Canyon, and I needed to release something that was inside of me that I just needed to release. And so regardless of who else was up there on the rocks with me, Lauren walked away because I was being a little bit annoying. <laughs> I ended up going through this for about six, seven, eight rounds. Ugly cry, shaking. <gasps> and I released something I didn't even know I was carrying. Because what happens is the body keeps the score. These, these microaggressions, these uh, daily interactions with people that piss you off, these frustrations, these anxieties. If you don't move your body through any means of moving your body, working out, dance, whatever, your body will will keep that. And then eventually it'll show up as dis-ease and then eventually disease. And so you have to get these things out because we are energetic creatures. And so if you do this type of holotropic breathing, I recommend you lay down. I recommend you do it with someone who's done it before. And I recommend that you just relax and then let come through what needs to come through. And most nine times out of 10, you're going to get emotional. You may not know why. You may feel stuck. You may feel heavy. I remember one time I was stuck on the ground for an hour. I could not physically get up. And it was because there was just this stuckness in my body, this heaviness that I needed to release. And so there's, there's, there's a paradigm. There's a beginner. Okay, box breathing can help me relax to a degree. And then there's the, I want to go on some sort of journey that's going to help me mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and do the holotropic breathing. I love this. You know, as somebody, I, I've never done this kind of breath work, but I, you've mentioned Wim Hof. That's somebody I've seen a few of his videos. So we'll link to a couple of those uh, in yep. the show notes because they're really cool. Tell us about your show, the inspiration of it, uh, yep. the theme where people can find it, all the good stuff. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So the Jesse T show uh, was inspired by a guy named Tim Ferriss, another podcast, human being, guinea pig, uh, you know, uh, a psychonaut as well, someone who works with psychedelics, something that's changed his life from severe depression, a great author, some great books out there, an entrepreneur, someone who, when you look at this work that people are doing these days, when you look at people that are successful in business, successful in relationships, they're, 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 they're healthy, they're doing well, but they also work in these different realms of like mindset or psych psychedelics or it, it, there's cue, there's clues, like success leaves clues. And so, I got into Tim Ferriss pretty heavy and he's had the world's best on his show. Very interesting conversations. I got into guys like Aubrey Marcus, who's more into the psychedelics, someone who is a health and wellness advocate, someone who's a CEO, someone who's just a light in the world. Got into Joe Rogan for all different reasons. And they're all speaking somewhat of the same language, but they all have their own podcast and they're all having conversations with amazing human beings. And so I had heard enough podcasts. I've seen enough. I like to watch them where I can. To where I was starting to think, okay, maybe I should do my own. And then I had two mentors come into my life. One was a, a, a known mentor, a guy named Patrick Tucker, who was helping me on the financial planning side. And then there was another guy named David Goggins. 
And for those who know David Goggins, you know all about him. He's one of the most incredible uh, examples of what the human mind can achieve through physicality and an unbelievable specimen of, of work ethic. And these guys were basically telling me from one angle or another, from David Goggins in his book, Can't Hurt Me, where it says, share your story, share your truth, become free. And then I have Patrick Tuck- Tucker saying, you have such a great story. You should share it one day. I'm like, well, maybe I'll start a podcast where I tell other people's stories because I like podcasts. They're interesting. I want to hear people's keys to success. And then by episode 29, I started telling my story on the Jesse T Show. We're a couple hundred episodes in now, four years past. And that freed me. It freed me because I was able to share these things I share with you now very easily. But back then, it was hard to say some of these things. And the judgment and the persecution and the pain that I was holding, I released it. And so through the Jesse T Show, I've been able to interview amazing human people, human beings, tell my story, share the the works, the insights, the the the, the pitfalls that people have to overcome to be able to speak to things from experience. People that you've heard of from around the world, people that are local heroes that maybe you haven't heard of yet, people that are experts in relationships health and wellness, spirituality, business, mindset. People that I want to learn from and do life with. And that's been really beautiful. And I, I don't know, Dr. Richard, if you can speak to this, and you probably can, I'd imagine. The podcast has brought so many beautiful things into my life. Relationships with people that I travel around the world and do fun stuff with. Business opportunities, connections, ideas. Today, I just had a great conversation with someone who was on my podcast talking about this safety idea with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, bringing up something from my own childhood that I didn't even put two and two together until that conversation happened. So I'm the biggest learner of my podcast. And so it's just been a beautiful journey. It's been a beautiful way to do life. Anytime I travel, I travel frequently. I get to take the podcast with me. And if I can interview someone in a different state, I do, which is really cool. And I get to make new friends and build new connections. It's just been a really cool way to do life. Yeah, I I love everything about that. And we'll link to your show in the show notes. I've said many times in many places that starting a podcast has transformed my life in ways I couldn't have possibly imagined. And if you're remotely thinking about it, you should do it. It's just a a remarkable journey. Uh, Jesse, speaking of journeys, our journey, at least our on-air journey for today is at an end. And I've loved our conversation. Uh, As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guests a single question. That is, what is your biggest helping? that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I'll just tie it back to our conversation and, and, and just the what's really helped me the most on my spiritual and personal journey is love yourself like your life depends on it. If you knew that you could live the life that you want to live, impact other people, be impacted by other people, have a beautiful journey on this earth and, and live life fully, powerfully present, grateful, just by loving yourself, that's the magic. And so I would say people love yourself like your life depends on it. Go get the book. I don't make any proceeds off of that book. Love <laughs> yourself like your life depends on it. But it is such a game changer. And, and love is the most powerful yeah. force that we have on this earth that we can use for good. Amen. I've read the book. It, it is an awesome book. Well, I've loved this, Jesse. Tell us where people can find out more about you and connect with you and find the show. Sure. So uh, I am um, active on Instagram. If you want to find me, it's at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E underscore the letters T-E-E. So at Jesse underscore T, connect with me there. I'll plug back into you. On LinkedIn, I do a lot over there too on the business side and just some stuff there. It's Jesse Tudisco, T-O-D is in David, I-S-C-O, Jesse Tudisco. And then like you alluded to before, the Jesse T Show. If you want to hear, you know, have you on the show as, as, as we go along. If you want to hear amazing people like Dr. Richard, if you want to hear amazing people talk about what it was that they built, what they've overcome, what they've succeeded at, and how that's impacted them in the world, 
Check us out at the Jesse T Show anywhere you can hear your podcasts. Jesse, I have loved our conversation today. Thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. My pleasure, brother. It was a great place to connect a little bit further, to hear more about your story a little bit to a degree before we jumped on the podcast and to kind of see where our journey leads, man. I'm excited about the next conversation that we have, and hopefully it'll be on the Jesse T Show. I, I would love that. And, and I also want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to Jesse and, and my conversation today. If you loved it, if you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, Go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping, because the happiest people are those that help others.